This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. My name is Ben Hawkins. I'm formerly of Optus, Director of Design, and also I've worked across uh, telecommunications markets for 15 years across uh, about nine different countries. Um, what I love about online retail is probably not what you may expect. Whilst I love purchasing online retail, and invariably it happens after the hours of darkness, about 11 p.m. usually, but I'm actually addicted to watching the product arrive to me. So I love, I purchase in the U.S. regularly, and I think watching the supply chain is as exciting as getting the product. And I've become somewhat um, addicted to watching where things are at during the process. So does that call me a little bit of a, a supply chain nerd? I'm not sure. But um, it's, a, it's, it's one of the wonderful things about online retail. Next level customer experience is a goal for many brands, but creating innovative spaces for those next level customer experiences, that's something else. Transforming retail physical platforms to become more impactful is high on most retailers' agendas. Though creating spaces that are unforgettable and that offer a seamless on and offline experience takes innovation and some out of the box ingenuity. So we're on location in front of a live audience at Online Retailer in Sydney, Australia. And coming up, you'll hear about the opportunities and mindset required for a new paradigm of retail store design. What that has to do with one of the largest telecommunication companies in Australia. And we're also going to talk about smell and sound. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Recorded on location. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you, Mark. So we're here at the 11th edition of the Online Retailer Conference and Expo. It's Australia's biggest industry event, packed with the latest insights, trends, tech innovation, retail solutions. So then what in the world does a telecommunications company where uh, you had been for 15 years, I believe, what does that have to do with creative and creating innovative spaces? That's a good question, Mark. I think look, the world has changed dramatically in the 15 years that I've been doing design. Um, both in telecommunications and retail as general. You know, when, we, when I started in telecommunications, um, a communication method would have been making a voice call. You know, then it evolved to making a standard text message. Then it evolved to something far more sophisticated and, and ubiquitous globally with the likes of WhatsApp. It's interesting that companies like WhatsApp, you know, are, were built outside of telecommunications and yet they've made such a dramatic change to the market. So what does that mean for the spaces? The reality is, is that, Consumers, irrespective of, of, of what market they're in, always want a great experience from retail. And consistency is something really important. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for telecommunications globally is, is well, everybody's looking for the same thing, is how do you make a memorable moment in retail? You know, there's, there's the, 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 one of my core objectives what I wake up every day to is, is you know, how do I create never-been-done-before memorable moments? 
And the reality is, is that that takes both the physical element of a store, it takes the technology element, which wasn't, didn't exist 10 years ago, and now it takes ever more a stronger presence of humanity in retail as well. And so there's one thing that we often ponder around when we're designing a three-dimensional box, and that is, especially in the, in the growing world of online retail, is we want to take the best bits of the online seamless world that we need to encapsulate within, in a design. But more importantly as well is that we also have to take what, what, what bricks and mortar stores can provide, which online are unable to provide. And if you look at that, it basically comes down to product and people. Well, let me ask you a bit of what might be a softball question, or, or maybe it's not. So if I'm not storing product in a retail location... It's mm-hmm. coming out of a warehouse somewhere. Yep. Okay. Uh, and I'm selling everything online, or I can sell everything online. Why do I even need a physical location? How is it that that can advance, or, assuming that I do, assuming mm-hmm. I'm in a position to do that? Yeah, yeah. Why would that potentially advance my business's growth? Look, I think, that, I mean, that's, 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 that's the magic question around why online retailers may or may not go into, into real stores. Obviously, you know, Amazon's testing the waters with the, with the Amazon Go in, in, in Seattle. Uh, and other stores as well are looking to kind of do the physical elements. I know in spectacle stores um, that the ability to actually put the spectacles on your head, okay, yeah, is, is something, and actually see yourself in a mirror, is the difference between online and bricks and mortar. It's the physical ability to touch, feel, look the product, and just as important, again, comes to that, it comes down to people. You can really put these two, two, into, these two elements into product and people. When you look at creating memorable moments, and this is probably the key thing around bricks and mortar, and about brands, is that people invariably remember the experience they've had with a person. You know, it was Dave from Apple. Sure. It was Karen from, you know, X Store. And they're the moments which they remember the most because as much as we've become, as much as we have an insatiable desire to do everything online, there's probably more and more evidence now that bricks and mortar retail stores are being built around people and the community of people. So an online retailer can get significant brand equity from having some semblance of humanity at the front end of their, of their um, products. I should say that this notion has come up in a number of interviews we've done here at Online Retailer. Uh, it seems to be true. You know, so many people are talking about this. Even, even the chatbots, for example, is, yep. they're trying to make them more and more human yep. uh, to, to add, you know, bring the, integrate that, that ingredient in. Uh, let me ask you this. There are some brands out there that are creating retail spaces that don't even sell product. They are designed entirely about building relationship with the consumer, and that's it. Yeah, They're yeah. not even ordering product in the retail location. They're yeah. just trying to yeah. reach out and shake their hand, if you will. Yep. Uh, not just literally, although that may happen because there's probably people in the store mm. or in the location. But they're creating experiences that may be as simple as creating some big comfy couches yep. with movies playing with surround sound that you can get away from walking around the mall for a second yeah. and go in and just know that when you think about that brand, you're mm. thinking about that experience. Well, that's, can you that, talk to that? Yeah, the, the, the best example of that, I think, globally is Samsung 837 in New York. Um, it's, it's an incredible environment 
Um, it's over three levels. Every single level has a different story on the technology that it provides. It's extremely expensive real estate. It costs a fortune to run. And yet you cannot buy a single thing in the store. If you want to buy a Samsung product, you have to go somewhere else. And in fact, when I was there, this gives you an example of, of the size and scale of what they're doing. They have a social media Instagram tube. And you go in there and you can actually have your Instagram feed assault you right? Yeah, by images. There's thousands of screens in there and all your images arrive on this screen and there's mirrors and there's a huge soundscape of information. When I was in there um, having this amazing experience, a couple came in behind me and he, he then presented on all those thousands of screens his Instagram feed, went down on one knee and proposed to his fiance in a Samsung store in New York. Now, I can think of 100 places in New York that I thought were probably a little bit more romantic. But it, it basically showcases the power of that experience to that person or those people at that time. And so um, was it a memorable moment? I'm sure they probably still have that memory today. So let's go back to this idea of retail design. What does that actually encapsulate? When I first thought about that, I thought of you know the colors and the trim and the furniture and, yeah, yeah. and the, the shelves and, and, and so forth. And then I thought a little more about it, and obviously there's, there's different levels to it. It has to do with uh, the way things are organized. It can do with beacon technology. It can deal with the lighting. It can deal with smells and sounds. So talk about ty types of considerations that come into play. And I think what would be very useful since we're here at Online Retailer is connect that to yeah. the nature of online retail. Why we as online retailers need would even think about that. So look, that's a really good point. So I think the first thing we have, so like retail design to encapsulates architecture, design, but most importantly now it covers experience. Okay. So it's a case of, you know, what experience are you providing? Is it a value add? Is it a value add to the customer? Is it a value add to the business? I think we all play the game in retail design is there's a business demand, we have to make money, and there's a customer demand, we have to ensure that, that the experience is memorable enough that they'll return. How does that relate to online retail? I think it's probably the, the, fascinating, the fascinating element. If you look at the pure data, let's take a look at this. There's a feeling that online retail is taking over the world when it comes to retail. Right? And, that's, and, that's, and that's a fair assumption. But when you look at the real data, and we'll take a look at U.S. data, you know, it's a $3,000 billion business. Okay, yeah? Staggering number, okay? U.S., uh, and, but the online retail space covers, just two years ago was $300 billion, now it's $500 billion, okay, yeah? It still hasn't gone beyond 15% of total sales in U.S., and that's, that's the case. So we know that, that retail is still a really, bricks and mortar retail is still a really important mechanism for spending money. But the question is, is that there's only 3% growth on bricks and mortar, but there's 15% growth on, on online. So we know that that relationship has to be much more symbiotic. It has to be a marriage. It, does, it cannot be a, a challenger between this is bricks and mortar, this is online, we're going to get you, we're coming, you know. That kind of, that world is so old school now. And it has to be this, this beautiful marriage between the two. So simple elements of a design in a store which, is, uh, which supports and complements click and collect is really important. You know, it's a case if you don't want to look for click and collect, it should be. Click and collect is all about convenience. 
So you have to design a store which allows a fast in, out, and if a customer wishes to purchase something else when they're there, that has to be supported. So we're designing every single pathway of every transaction. Mm -hmm. Now, as online becomes more and more um, seamless with bricks and mortar, we have to factor in all of, all of those elements. Supply chain's a key one. You know, customers want to see what's in that store at that moment. So they're not making a wasted journey to get to that store. And when they get there, they want to be able to access that product immediately. So it, it, it's, it's old school for retail designers to think, this is the design of the store. This is where the pro you know, product place and promotion. This is where all this is going to go. It has to be completely in line with whatever the, the digital world is, 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 is doing. So let's say that I'm an online brand. Brick and mortar, having a physical space is, is probably not on my radar. Mm. It's not on my roadmap uh, yeah. in, in the near future. How can I be thinking about my online presence with some of the same thinking that I would implement into my physical location to not be entirely without some of those, that impact? Yeah. I suppose the question is, is, okay. is, is how, how much do you want to replicate your online environment into a retail store or how much is, do you want to exploit the value of, of bricks and mortar? So I'll come back to that. Look, I did some research last year, which was a complete accident, the research, actually. And it was, we showed store designs that were high digital. So there was lots of screens. There was um, lots, of touch, lots of activity. And then we showed another store design that was very humanistic. It, was, it, was, it had all the soft elements of a beautiful restaurant and cafe. Now, they both sold the same product. But one was with a high digital, one was low digital. And this was the fascinating outcome when we did and This was a complete accident. Males tended to choose the design with all the screens. Females chose, tended, it was about 80%, 80-20 mix, tended to choose store designs without screens. So what's really interesting is it does pose the question of do we build stores with digital or do we not? And the fascinating outcome is, is that it seems to be, because we're so um, sometimes we create this claustrophobic world of digital because it's always on us. Sometimes we want to break from it. And sometimes retail providing that essence of humanity actually provides that break from the digital world. So it's a, it's a question for the online retailer about how far they want to push their online experience into a bricks and mortar. Because the question again comes back to, does a customer actually even want that? And I think, look, Apple's a, a big box retailer. And what I think I love about Apple is is they maximize and exploit the two key things that you cannot get online, which is people and product. When you go to an Apple store, it's possibly the only retailer globally that can have enough people on the store floor to meet the customer demand. I don't know of any other retailers globally that can support that. And, and that's, a, that's a really important, I think, value add that they provide. It's, it's the people. And I think so that's... That's the challenge, I think, that online retailers have to, uh, would have to understand. And it's bloody expensive. We know. We, we buy the iPhones and the Apple products. And, that, you know, I mean, it got, yeah, I mean, but, but what's great is when you make those purchases and you're paying that additional fee, mm. you, you feel comfortable that when you need that service, when you need that human interaction, you know it's going to be delivered. Well, the, the expectation's been set. We mentioned earlier, there's, there's a great company in the U.S. called Perch who do a homeware stores. 
Yes. And John Sears, the, the CEO of that store, said something really beautiful in a, in a conference. He said, um, the reality is, is that humanity is the new luxury. And I think that's, it's a really telling moment because we're 12 years after the birth of the iPhone. And it's a really telling moment that people are quite happily, will quite happily pay an additional X amount for real human service. And I think that's 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 as opposed be the, to just expecting that as a baseline. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, expecting that because you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, the old the old days of of walking in, you know, queuing now it's become queuing in retail has become a normality, but it's a normal frustration. You know, most of the time when I'm in a queue, I'm actually saying to myself, "Why am I standing here? I can just go to Amazon and do it right yeah. now and get it delivered tomorrow." And so that comparison retail used to be across David Jones or Meyer traditional retail. Well, now it's not. It's bricks and mortar comparison yeah. with online. All right, up next, you'll hear about smell and sound and why that may matter in retail experience right after this. Hi, I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Funny People Talking. And the other host is... Danielle Beckman, that's me. That That's the other host. And our producer is Elsie. Say hi, Elsie. Hi. Okay, so you know how I know something's funny? When people laugh. <laughs> Every time they laugh, you know it's funny. So that's the key to knowing when funny people are talking. Because when you say something funny, people laugh. And you know what? On the show, Funny People Talking, people laugh. <laughs> Apparently more to me, Danielle, but you're still very funny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Check out Funny People Talking. It's a podcast on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. And it comes out every Monday. I think you'll enjoy it. Me too. Yeah. You know what happens when you enjoy it? You laugh. Let's talk about senses and the opportunity that that presents really to go outside of the box in the way that we interact with a brand and the type of consumer experience that we could have beyond what may even be being done now. You and I were chatting before this interview and I actually said, maybe we should save this. This is, this is good stuff. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the ways that people are imagining their physical locations to turn them to surprise and delight mm, mm. and to create such a sensory experience that it touches us as a consumer and as a human mm. in ways that create an emotional reaction that create a relationship with the brand? Mm. Look, this is the... This is probably the magic area of retail design that we're investing more and more time in. It's part of the fun part, right? It's the it's a, it's like I call it like when you create the unexpected, I call it the kind of you know I, I said earlier that the, the primary objective is to create never been done before memorable moments. There's another way you could put it, which is you want to to create never been done before WTF memorable moments because it's the classic pig in the window. Retailer retailers now need to understand that there needs to be an element of shock factor. There needs to be a, an element of, wow, I didn't expect that. But coming back to the senses, and I think this is something which is really important, because I, I have to pin down this, 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 these two words of memorable moments. 
is that in retail design, the sensory experiences are becoming more important, but more importantly, we have to activate, as a result, in retail design, we have to look at new ways to activate the senses in completely new ways. So if you look at some of the great retailers in Australia, and I would say um, T2 do a great job, you know, and Nespresso do a great job, Lush do a great job, merchandising. And if you look at all of those, they're activating a number of different things. So visually, they all have stunning visual merchandising, which, which really is quite beautiful. And they're all good at that, color, move, the, the color style, and, and order. Secondly, as well, though, that um, they all activate smell, you know, and smell is such it's a it's the only sense which really kind of activates this kind of archaic piece of our brain, which which reinvigorates nostalgia. You know, there's a, there's a great example that when BMW were trying to sell minis years ago if, and their target market was 40 or, well, between 35 and 45-year-old male and females is that when they used freshly cut grass as a smell, it took them back to their teenage years, yeah. okay, which then allowed them to have this essence of freedom. And then it made the purchasing of a, of a mini far more palatable at that particular moment. You know, so, so smell has a huge play in, in, how we, in, in how we design our retail stores. You know, before you go on, it makes me think of a dentist that I had at one point, and they actually cooked real chocolate chip cookies in the office, which obviously fuels their business, I guess. But what, what it is is uh, the co- chocolate chip cookies, at least in America, mm. is considered one of the most desired memory smells for people from their mm. childhood. Yep. And so instead of going into a dentist's office and smelling dentist smells... Mm. You're smelling something that's positive, and when you walk out, you smell that too, and, yeah. and it connects to your, your your experience didn't change. The exact same things happened, yep. but your perception of them changed just from that smell. Yeah, and and so, and again, it comes back to memory. It can create an incredibly powerful memory, and again, it's one of those things where you're trying to you're trying to capitalize on what you aren't able to get online. It's a case of what, how do we in retail design maximize all those elements. And as we mentioned earlier, sound is incredibly important as well. Sure. So sound can be, sound is an interesting one because it can increase dwell time in a retail store. Um, and it can also, it can decrease it if it's the wrong sound, you know. So it's a case of getting the balance right. Food retailers have been doing this for a while. They'll have the genre, so, you know, you can increase the beats per minute during lunchtime periods to keep people moving. You can slow them down at 7, 8 p.m., and it means the dwell time's longer, purchasing basket size increases. This is not an uncommon phenomenon of using sound in, in retail. And so sound can have um, one of the most memorable experiences. Well, I had the fortunate ability to be in H&M in New York where two guys were freestyle rapping for 12 hours, and the bass literally just shook the floor. And, um, and I'll, I'll never forget it because um, it was such a stunning New York experience, you know, it was great. You know, and we talked earlier too, you know, the opportunity to take the data that you understand about who may be in your store. You know, you may, you may be able to collect data through uh, the relationship that you have with your uh, customers. Let's say you have a dedicated app uh, or you know something about them as they sign into the store, whatever uh, way you know the demographics in your store. It can also be observation. You can have someone observing and saying, well, we're largely millennials here today, or it looks like we have an older crowd, and you can adjust the music yeah, that's yeah. playing over the speaker or uh, the lighting. Or, I mean, 
the the lighting yeah i mean the lighting is always built around bright at the back bright at the front softer at the back again you're trying to slow the customer down sound is really an interesting one again when it cut well actually retail you just mentioned millennials there so i'm just going to take you off on a tangent mark is that okay yes. okay i did some great research with millennials and um and the fascinating there was two there was a number of things which i have to tell you about was that when we asked when we asked a group of under 25s at this point uh what they wanted from a retail store and um in four separate groups one person, at least one person in each group asked for, they wanted to stroke a puppy. Okay, yeah? So there was this completely bizarre phenomena, okay, whereby you're asking them, we're building a design and technology store, and they're saying, no, I just want to stroke a puppy. And then I asked some further information about what does all this mean? And, and what, it, what it came down to was, um, there was this one lady, Kate, who was a perfect respondent. She said, Ben, if I want to buy something, I go online. If I want to be part of something, I'll go to a store. And I think it, it, it comes back to that kind of what the purpose of the store is versus online. You know, the purpose of the store is in generally about creating a community right. as a personable community. Well, you have to give someone something to be a part of. That's right. Uh, before we conclude, I would like to touch on a little more on the sound aspect and yep. the idea of parametric or isolated sound speakers where there's a very narrow area in which that sound can be heard you pretty much have to be within a very confined space so you could be outside of that space and then walk in and suddenly you're hearing sound and the opportunities that that can present for uh, messaging you know you could be in a footwear store walk up to the uh the athletic cleats and as you get within a few inches of them you could suddenly hear Mm. you know game sounds Mm. that you wouldn't hear across and you're rewarded sensorily for being close to the product, let's say, or for walking in. If you're in a, an area where there's a lot of different vendors, whether it be a mall, whether it be a, an open bazaar kind of space mm-hmm. uh, you know, or Macy's in New York or something, uh, as you go from vendor to vendor, your experience could change just from the sound that you can't hear from the vendor next to you, the brand next to you. Um, isolation of sound is really good to increase dwell time of zones. So if you can calm somebody down and take them off of their normal speed, which is incredibly fast in a mall, surprise, surprise, um, it allows them to ponder, view, and experience whatever that range is at any, any time. Cosmetics would be the ideal solution for this because it's the first point in most large department stores that you meet when you come in. So isolation of sound in those spaces would be really valuable. I've actually been to a sports store as well, which was designed as a stadium, and as you enter the store... They had an isolation of sound, and it sounded like 20,000 people in a, in, a, in, a, in a soccer stadium. So as soon as you walked in, it was just like, wow. And it did, like, you know, it made your sternum shake. And it, what it did was it also created a new experience for the customer. And again, it was a memorable experience because I'm talking about it now. You're, yeah, you're going to tell your friends. That's right. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, I think about when you talked about music, uh, the pace of music makes me think of restaurants uh, often want to have restaurants that are trying to move people through uh, as opposed to high-end restaurants that want them to sit and dwell and order expensive bottles of wine mm-hmm. uh, tend to have faster pace, louder pop music or rock music. Yeah, yeah. And my question is for an online environment, what kinds of things do you think about that someone can do in, in the design of their website experience 
that can echo that type of thinking. Uh, for example, do you want a lot more activity happening that keeps people on that page longer? Do you, do you want to have some a different environment on each section uh, that they go to within that environment? Uh, and I'm you know I'm yeah. probably not speaking informally. Well, I suppose here, I'll be quite clear. I work in three-dimensional spaces. I'm okay. not a two-dimensional digital designer. Um, and I have a huge amount of admiration for all the designers that work in that space. Got it. Because I know that the development of that space in, in UX has been staggering, you know, in the last five years especially. So, you know, a huge kudos to all those people uh -huh. that work in digital. The thing which I personally uh, appreciate is, is, and this comes down to retail design again, I'm a, a huge advocate for getting the basics and the simplicity right. Invariably, in my day-to-day -day world, I'm assaulted by images and words, and I just want simplicity. And that's a really important message for retailers, and it's a really important message for online as well, I believe, as well. And, you know, more is definitely a, a distraction for me. Less is a perfect world. I, I desperately do not need more in my life. <laughs> Very good. All right, uh, let's. Um, there was one other question I wanted to ask you. Oh, uh, let me finish with this. Let's talk about uh, augmented reality and yep. designing a retail environment that is thinking about augmented reality because of not just how it can go beyond what you could physically manifest. In, in, in reality, mm. but also the opportunity to customize mm. what that retail space is for that individual consumer and what they, either they select or the data that you know about yeah. them. How have you and others thought about this going forward? So look, I, I've worked in AR and I did an AR um, campaign last year. AR is an intriguing space for the sole reason is, is that it's a great piece of technology that everyone seems on the, on the augmented reality technology side, there's a huge amount of benefits that, we, you know, that we're advised will provide benefits. In my experience, or from a customer's perspective, the customers are saying, why? Okay, what is the value to me to have this AR experience? Pokemon Go had a great, you know, huge, it was a huge trajectory of success. Right. And then three weeks later, it fell off the radar. And in fact, AR is, is something which is intriguing. We, um, I did it for a World Cup soccer promo. And you could go into a store, and every graphic, you could get the highlights from the night before. And it was real-time AR. And um, we didn't go above the line with marketing. And the, the, the fascinating thing was is that customers saw the value in it, but at the same time as well, they're still asking the question, Why? So far, to date, the best AR campaigns have been based on gamification of retail. So probably um, um, the one that I think is probably more, which has met the, met the middle ground of meeting a customer demand and a business demand was in 7-Eleven. I think they got 14,000 points of presence in, in the US. They did a Spider-Man Deadpool, uh, Deadpool promo. And you could go in, you could use augmented reality in different points of the store. And then that gave you points. And then the more points you got, when you got to X amount of points, you could get yourself a free Slurpee. And so, um, so you basically, there's, there's the addiction of, of using augmented reality around a store. And then you've got the, the sugar addiction of, uh, of kids that want to play it. So it's a perfect marriage. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whenever you can create addiction in someone, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that was really successful. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, great. Uh, let's close on this. Let's talk a little less about retail design. Mm. And let's, let's ask about Ben. Let's look at the human side. Get a little personal. Hey, um, I... Uh, Oh, now you're getting sensitive. Well, man. I mean, I, I didn't mean to just open it up globally. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll sure, ask yeah. you a question. You're sure. So, uh, on your phone, what would be an app that people might be surprised that you have? Oh. Um, look, I don't think there's anything on my phone which is surprising, but I can tell you the one that gets probably hit the most would be probably Amazon of all things. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, you're, you're, as you mentioned earlier, you're, yeah. you love that process of I, I, online purchases you know, and delivery. What, if you ask customers what they want in retail, they say range. But when they arrive at a store, range is actually a detraction from purchasing. Hence the reason why LD as a, as a product is winning so much because LD does not provide range. It provides you one of everything. And, but one thing I do love about Amazon is, is that when you go on there, the range is like... 100 times more than any bricks and mortar could ever provide. And that alone is, is somewhat alluring. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you are formerly with Optus. Yep. Uh, if you right now had a magic wand and could go work with anyone, and the world is your oyster. Oh, wow. And, and there was a job waiting there for you to, to partner and play a meaningful role with someone, anyone, anywhere. Wow, wow. What would it be? Um, I Look, I mean, on the architecture side, I'd probably like to work with Apple from their external architecture. Internally-wise, I won't mind Nespresso. I think Nespresso do a great job. And also, there's an Australian company, which I, and I love their product, okay, yeah? and I haven't got their glasses on. It's a company called Dresden, and they do great glasses, and I think they're a great company, and I think they're really exciting to watch. You've got those yellow glasses These right glasses. there. glasses. Are... You can get your glasses. This is amazing. You get your glasses in 10 minutes, prescription glasses in 10 minutes. Wow. And, it's, uh, and, they're, and they're recyclable as well. It's a great product. I'm not plugging it. I've never neat. met the owner, by the way, but they are just a great product. You can just chuck them away and go and get yourself some new ones in a minute. Well, if you're out there and uh, you'd like to meet Ben, you know, uh, how can people connect with you? Um, look, I'll be around here for a while drinking tea because I'm English. And also as well, you can catch up with me on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, look me up, Ben Hawkins on LinkedIn. And, um, yeah, I'll be very interested to hear from anybody who wants to talk retail design and online and how those two worlds meet because I'm still 15 years old and I'm still learning. And uh, if we were to ask you to leave a final thought, a, a pearl of wisdom with our listeners, uh, even if you're just reflecting on the conversation that we've just had, uh, what might come to mind? Look, I think it, I, I think I'm going to go back to, I think I go back to that key point, which I think retailers are missing, and it comes down to from John Sears, which is from from Perch, and that is is that that statement of humanity, you know, is the new luxury. I think is a really powerful statement as well as what Kate, one of my research people, said when she said, if I want to buy something online, if I want to buy something, I'll go online. If I want to be part of something, I'll go to a store. And I think there's a, there's, a real, there's a real beauty in that message. Fantastic. 
All right. Well, uh, Ben Hawkins, uh, expert in retail design, formerly of Optus, and now uh, with the world is his oyster. That's great. Uh, thank you very, very much for joining us. It was really a fascinating conversation. Thank you, Mark. And enjoy the rest of Online Retailer, which is where we're at on location in Sydney, Australia. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Until next time, I'm Mark Rakow. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.